<clears throat> Thanks, Jackie. Good morning, everyone. Uh, well, you have made it through the end of another term. Well done. You've made it through winter. I feel like the weather's just kind of turned a corner for us. And I can imagine that for many of us, it's been a bit of a busy time. Uh, my family feels like we've reached a, a kind of a, a, you know, a mini finish line by getting to the end of, end of term. And how nice to be given a public holiday to help us get over the line. And so as we hit this time of year, maybe it's good to ask, how are you travelling? How are your energy levels? Are they low, medium, or maybe high? How, how's your mental level? What's your, what level of brain fuzz are you operating on at the moment? Uh, maybe for some of us, we're running relatively low on both those things. Uh, but the question I want to focus on today is, how are you going spiritually? What's your spiritual health at the moment? Some of us may be feeling spiritually full and overflowing. Uh, some of us might be in a more searching state, you know, sensing there's something out there but seems a little vague and or a bit beyond our grasp. Uh, but maybe for a lot of us, particularly this time of year, our spiritual jug looks like this. It, we may be on the more spiritually dry end of things, uh, you know, kind of down to the dregs, not feeling it right now. Uh, maybe this quote uh, describes you. When we feel spiritually dry, as if we had been confined to an endless desert, our spiritual lives and faith feeling dry and lifeless, oftentimes these spiritually parched seasons do not come out of nowhere. Perhaps you have just walked through a hard situation found yourself living in sin, found yourself worshipping half-heartedly, or felt the sting of complacency setting in during your time in God's Word. If that's anything like you, then uh, we have a great focus today, a focus on spiritual health. Uh, what's it mean to be spiritually healthy and how do we gain spiritual health? You know, physical health is gained through eating right and exercise, but what is spiritual health? Well, to look at spiritual health, we're actually going to a dry place. We're going to the ancient land of Samaria. Uh, not a lot of water there, it's hot, hot and dry. Uh, so please have your Bibles open again at John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And uh, Jesus is on a journey in this chapter, he's walking from uh, from Judea in the south to Galilee in the north, and to get from A to B, he's got to go through Samaria, and he stops uh, at the town of Sychar and uh, finds a well there and stops there. Uh, so let's have a look at verse six and see what's there. Have a look at verse six on the screen. Also, reads Jacob's well was there, and Jesus tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Now, I don't know what picture of Jesus that you have in your head. What's your mental picture of Jesus? You, you know, uh, my hunch is, whatever you're picturing about Jesus, you're not picturing a tired Jesus. It's not something that we think of very much. Uh, but that's how Jesus was here. He was tired from the journey. So you see, Jesus is no angel. He's a fully-fledged human, and he got tired. 
and he sits by the well, maybe a well that looks something like this, and the text says it was about noon. And the significance of that is it means Jesus was sitting there at the hottest part of the day. I remember when my oldest child uh, was a toddler and uh, Katie and I went to visit some friends in Melbourne. I went to see the Grand Prix also, it's lots of fun. Uh, but particularly that year, it was, there was a heat wave in Melbourne and uh, every day was well over 40 degrees. Melbourne's not built for 40 degrees. Uh, you know, I remember uh, going to, with a friend, uh, going to all the department stores trying to find a fan that we could use in the spare bedroom. And, and I've got this memory of waking up super early. My family did that a lot because uh, my children didn't sleep well. Uh, but it worked in the, on this holiday because um, I remember getting up early, uh, heading out to uh, a playground with my young daughter and uh, looked at my watch when I was pushing around the swings, 7 o'clock in the morning. 7 a.m., but that was the best time to go because in a few hours' time, it was going to be super hot and too hot to take uh, anyone outside. Uh, Well, in many parts of the Middle East, it's like that all the time. You don't go out and do your errands in the middle of the day. It's just too hot. But because Jesus was traveling, uh, he, he was out in the middle of the day. He was hot. He was exhausted. And he asks the first person he sees for a drink from the well. Another sign of his humanity. He was thirsty. But let's have a look into the detail again. Have a look at verse 7. Look down at verse 7. It says, When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. So what do we see here? We see that Jesus is all alone. He's all alone. The disciples are gone into town. And a Samaritan woman comes up to the well. Now that's a bit odd. It's not odd that she's a Samaritan. They're in Samaria. Fair enough. But it's a bit odd that she's coming to draw water out of the well in the middle of the day. Because remember, you don't do errands in the middle of the day. Over there, it's too hot. Why was she out getting water at this time? Well, the likely theories are either she was a social outcast and so she didn't want to be seen with everyone else when they went to draw water. Or she was a bit of a bit of a player and she deliberately came out at this time knowing that there might be tired, uh, lonely travellers passing through. When we see more of who, about, when we find out more about her, either could be true. So this Samaritan woman comes out to the well and there's a male stranger there. Now, it's not immediately obvious when we read it uh, uh, today, but this scene at a well, this is the ancient equivalent of a girl meets a guy at a bar. You know, we've seen this scene a thousand times and we know where it's heading, don't we? Well, in the Bible, so many hookup scenes happen at a well. So Isaac meets Rebecca at a well. Jacob meets his wife Rachel at a well. Moses meets his wife Zipporah at a well. And here, a Samaritan woman and tired all alone Jesus are at a well. What's going to happen? Seems like the script is all set. 
But then Jesus speaks to the woman. That's where you're all meant to gasp. <gasps> Jesus speaks to the woman. Now, of course, you know, that's pretty, pretty normal these days. But, uh, in that culture, you never spoke to someone of the opposite sex, particularly when you're alone. And a man in particular wouldn't, uh, particularly wouldn't speak to a, a woman. It just wasn't done. There's only one reason why you might do that. But Jesus decides to speak to her. And he asks for a drink because he's thirsty. Now, it might be that Jesus was desperately thirsty, but the woman was still shocked. She's shocked because a man's speaking to her. But also a Jewish man is speaking to her because Jews and Samaritans did not get on. But Jesus is willing to do this. He's willing to speak to her because actually she is the thirsty one. She is spiritually thirsty. And so Jesus is willing to engage with her. He's willing to talk with her. And in her shock, the woman says, how could you ask me for a drink? Jesus answered her, if you knew, verse 10, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus is saying, if you knew what God could give you and if you knew who I am, I would give you living water. Jesus is the solution to spiritual thirst. He's ready to provide for her. But at this point, the lady doesn't uh, doesn't quite get it. Uh, when Jesus says "living water," uh, she thought she was talking about a, uh, a you know a natural spring and maybe a little little river flowing out of it. You know that would be much more uh, appetizing than stagnant well water. And so, where can you get this living water? She asked. You know, is there a hidden spring I don't know about? Verse thirteen. Jesus answered, "Anyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again." This is the water in the well. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So Jesus is giving them water and then they become, or inside them becomes a spring welling up to eternal life. So here's my first point about spiritual Health. Firstly, Jesus is the source of spiritual health. If you want spiritual vitality, you need Jesus. You know, back in the Old Testament, it was God who was the, the uh, spiritual living water. And so God said back in Jeremiah, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. God's people back in the day rejected God. God was described as the spring of living water. Well, here Jesus is claiming to be that same spring. Jesus, because he is God himself, he is the one to, to fill your spiritual jug. And as he fills it, it can, it can well up to eternal life. From time to time that we realize that we are spiritual beings, you know, we have the sense that maybe there's something more to life. Well, only Jesus 
will meet that spiritual need. That's because Jesus is God. He is the spring of living water, the source of all life. Through Jesus, God has given us life and Jesus is the good shepherd. And so we can say in Psalm 23, the Lord Jesus is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Jesus is the source of spiritual refreshment, spiritual health. But as we keep going, the Samaritan woman remains spiritually dry. She doesn't understand who is right before her and what he offers. She says in verse 15, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. She's still thinking on a physical level, not on a spiritual level. Uh, Verse 16, he told her, Jesus told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. In fact, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. See the first reason why the woman is spiritually dry? Well, it's because of her immorality. She doesn't recognize the living water in front of her because of her life. Uh, This woman has gone through uh, many men. She's not following God's way for her sexuality. Maybe she was trying to find that wholeness, that meaning in her relationships instead of God. Or maybe if you're feeling spiritually dry, maybe there might be something in your life that you're trying to find meaning and wholeness in instead of God. Maybe you're not following God in some way. Maybe it's sexually like this woman. Maybe it's something else. But if Jesus is the source of living water, then there's something, uh, you know, when there's, some, if there's something that you're doing that Jesus doesn't approve of, then, well, you actually need to keep Jesus at arm's length in order to keep doing it. It's like, no, Jesus, you stay over there so I can do my own thing over here. And in doing that, you're cutting yourself off from spiritual health. And so it might be that you need to admit to God what you're doing and turn away from it and turn back to Jesus. He's willing to, he's willing to have you back. He died on the cross so that you, so that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Turn back from what you're doing. Turn back to Jesus. Allow Him to have you back. But there's another reason why the woman is spiritually dry. Verse 19 says, Sir, the woman said, I can see you're, that, uh, I can see that you are a prophet. Uh, notice the subtle subject change. Yes, I've had five men, but uh, nothing to see here. Let's move on to something else. Uh, verse 20, she says, Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place you must worship is in Jerusalem. So she's talking about where you should worship. She's slowly getting the idea that spirituality is on view here. So she's turning the conversation to uh, where people worship. 
and they worship God. And for various historical reasons, the Samaritans, of which she is one, uh, they, for the last few hundred years, had centered their cultic worship on Mount Gerizim, the mountain at the back. Uh, and, you know, there's a good chance, actually, from the well, they could see that mountain. It's quite close to Sikar. And uh, they set up a place of worship there as a rival to where the Jews worshipped. Remember, Jews and Samaritans didn't like each other. Uh, Samaritans said, okay, we're going to set up our own worship space up high on Mount Gerizim. Uh, you Jews, you, you, you'll keep worshipping in Jerusalem with the temple. But the second reason why the woman was spiritual, spiritually dry was she had the wrong location of worship. Because Jesus goes on to explain, the worship of God does not center around a mountaintop. And actually, it's no longer going to center around a temple. Nor will the worship of sport fill you up, as the swans, wallabies, and rabbitos uh, all uh, informed us yesterday. Uh, nor will the worship of your family fill you up, having your family as the center of your life. Or if you uh, have all your sights set on your career or something like that, that won't fill you up. But Jesus is showing you today the true place of worship. And the true location of worship is Jesus himself. True worship True spiritual health is located in Jesus. Verse 24 says, God is spirit. So he's not kind of flesh like us. He is spirit and the source of life. He is completely other than us. He's inaccessible. We can't access God unless he reveals himself to us. And because God is spirit, his worshippers must worship him in the spirit and in truth. That is, all our worship must be God-centered. All that we give our lives to must be God-centered. And we worship God by the Spirit, by God's Holy Spirit, and in conforming to the truth about God. And of course, Jesus is the Word of God, the truth. He is uh, the truth of God. And so, maybe maybe you're feeling spiritually dry because you've located your worship in the wrong place. How do you know where you've located your worship? Well, you know, think of the thing that you couldn't live without, or that thing you most treasure. Or what do you sacrifice? You know, what other things do you sacrifice in order to hold on to something or increase something? Where do you turn to when things get difficult? I've got a few names written down here. I won't read out the names. But a few stories. The first person, through his life, he would, in small ways, just sacrifice his relationship with his wife and kids because he was focused on doing what he wanted, ultimately. Or another person had a faith when she was young but uh, gave up on God as she pursued her acting career. Uh, or this other guy who sacrificed his integrity and honesty in order to make partner at his firm. 
he made partner. And it revealed what he worshipped. Who are you worshipping? Where are you worshipping? What are you holding tightest to in your heart? The Samaritan woman thinks that the Messiah, God's chosen king, when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. He'll make it all clear of where we need to worship. Well, Jesus declared, verse 26, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. If you read through John's gospel, you'll see that Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the light, oh sorry, I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. And he, he says, I am the Messiah. I am he. I'm the one who explains everything. And so listen to me when I say that I'm the source of spiritual health. And maybe if you want to grow, if you want to fill up your spiritual jug, maybe over the school holidays, maybe over the next few weeks, uh, maybe one one uh, goal you could have is to read through all of John's Gospel. Why don't you read through John's Gospel and have these two questions in mind. How is Jesus relating to those he meets? So it's just like he's relating to the Samaritan woman here. And how is Jesus the source of my spiritual health? There might be two questions to have in mind. How's he relating to others? How's he the source of my spiritual health? Why don't you read through John's Gospel? Uh, or maybe uh, write out for yourself on a piece of paper or take a screenshot of Psalm 23 that, we, that was read to us earlier. And so you've got it there so that any time you're feeling dry or overwhelmed or tired or alone, have a read and see the promise of Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Uh, my family and I are about to go away on holidays. Uh, I'm going to print off a book of the Bible, one book of the Bible. I think I'm going to choose Joshua. And uh, that's what I'm going to read. While we're away, I'm going to try and get through all of the book of Joshua. That's what I'm going to do for my spiritual health. Jesus must be the location of your spiritual worship. And we see Jesus clearly in the Bible. Our lives are designed to worship him. Uh, So let me leave you with uh, one final reminder of why Jesus will fill us up spiritually. Well, let's look and see what Jesus is willing to do here. Let's take that first question. How does Jesus relate uh, to this woman? Well, firstly, Jesus was willing to defy cultural norms in order to speak to the woman. He was willing to defy them. Even the disciples, they didn't know what, what they should say when they saw Jesus talking alone with, with this woman. Jesus is not too proper to meet you where you're at. And then Jesus defied the narrative expectation that he and the woman would end up together. And in that way, Jesus proves to be the ultimate husband for all of us. Remember, Jesus was tired and alone as a woman came by. So much sin happens when we're tired and alone. But Jesus faced uh, the same temptations we would in that situation. But he didn't take advantage of her. And instead, he, he served her by offering what she needed most. 
He offers her the spiritual satisfaction she's been looking for all her life. Christian author Ed Shaw writes this, uh, Jesus is a man who wants to serve you by giving you spiritual water that will satisfy you eternally. He will not act towards you as if you are a sexual threat to his integrity. Instead, here is a man who's willing to talk with you, answer your questions, and gently tell you the truth and be your friend. And finally, Jesus knew her shady past and yet was still willing to engage with her. He knew of her sexual immorality, but Jesus didn't shun her because of it. He knew the shame that must be carried in her life, but Jesus didn't add to it. But he spoke to her and offered her life. Jesus knows you. Jesus knows me, your past, your present, even your future. And a lot of it's shady, if we're honest. But Jesus is willing to engage with you, to speak to you through the Bible, and even give his life for you. And so Jesus offers you spiritual health. He gives us his spirit that will well up in us to eternal life. And do you know what the woman does at the end? In the end... The woman leaves her water jar. She left behind the one thing that would give her water to quench her thirst because she found the one person who would quench her spiritual thirst. Will we leave behind all other things that are temporarily satisfying? Leave our worship of them in order to worship Jesus and the living water, receive the living water he brings.